And we're starting a new series this afternoon called Born for This, To Live is Christ and to Die is Gain. And the title of the sermon this afternoon is Under Construction. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to be exploring Paul's encouragement to us in Philippians 1, verses 1 through 11. Philippians 1, verses 1 through 11. I'm reading ESV. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and the deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Filled with the fruits of righteousness that come through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I don't know if you've ever read those verses before, but it reads almost like a love letter. This is Paul pouring his heart out to those that are suffering some form of persecution at Philippi. There's also evidence of disagreements and maybe some squabbles between church members there. But why did he write it? He wrote it to encourage them but he also encouraged them to grow in their faith. What's the context? Well, Paul is at this point in prison, and as I mentioned, the Philippians are being persecuted for their faith, and they're going through some form of disagreements. And therefore, we need to then consider, well, what is the motive that Paul is trying to present this afternoon? He's encouraging us to stand firm against any enemy of joy, to stand together with the cause of Christ, and to make progress in our own Christian journey. And so the goal for us is to discover the joy of that journey, recognizing that irrespective of whether we've been saved one week, one decade, or even a hundred years, we are all under construction because he is still perfecting that work in and through our lives. He also reminds us here very clearly that it is Christ's work on the cross that will complete its work in us as believers, and therefore we need to stand firm, we need to be confident, we need to be steadfast in the faith that we have. But Paul begins this epistle with the usual encouragement and affirmation followed by thanksgiving and prayer. It's very, very evident to us this afternoon that the church at Philippi has brought Paul an immeasurable sense of joy. Joy that has emerged from the strong fellowship that they have built together in proclaiming the gospel. 
Paul indicates very clearly a supreme future-focused confidence in God's desire, God's ability, and his will to complete the work that he has started in them. And of equal importance is Paul's prayer for the ongoing spiritual journey and growth that we all go through and develop in our lives. Paul was very, very clear about who he was, what he was focused on, and what he was called to do. And so an initial question for our thoughts and considerations this afternoon is, do we possess that same level of clarity and confidence that Paul clearly is demonstrating? Because it is crucial that we discover and subscribe to why we were born. That is the reason for the title of the series, Born for This. Recognize that in every single season of your life, you have a purpose. Every challenge presents a reason. Every desire that you have in your heart has an outcome. Make no mistake, your current circumstances present God-ordained opportunities. Are we confident? Are we conscious of that assertion today? If not, the goal of our time together this afternoon is to be strengthened together by God's Word, to build some courage and confidence that we need to possess as believers in Christ, which forces us to examine and explore every thought that we have in our mind, every decision that we possess in our heart, and frame it against the capacity and the capability that God has given us. You know, when we get to the full utilization of who we are, the full understanding of who we are in Christ, you will make an incredible, lasting, tangible impact wherever you go and however you choose to do ministry. And so we always must start from the premise that God is working in us and working through us to bring about his purposes. Now often we don't see every moment, we don't enjoy every example of God stretching us because things happen. We get discouraged, we get distracted, we find ourselves subconsciously perhaps discarding our faith in Christ and grasping onto the grief or guilt of the latest challenge or situation that we find ourselves in. But when we choose to strengthen our confidence that we possess in God, we know that we will bring about his purposes in our lives. And as a result of that, as he mentions right at the end there at verse 11, the fruits of righteousness will emerge and we will glorify God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so let us remember as we go a bit on this journey this afternoon that we have the mind of Christ. Amen? The Holy Spirit dwells richly in us. Therefore, we have the capacity and capability to capture God's heart and the deep thoughts that we need for our lives and the lives of those that he has called us to influence. That, says that, we, that said, we must remain mindful that as believers, we can perhaps find ourselves reading God's word on a daily basis, but our hearts are still completely disconnected from the ways of the kingdom. The only remedy is for us to perpetually read God's word through the lens of Christ crucified. Otherwise, we are guaranteed to succumb and to surrender to personal preferences and align our hearts with what we think is just and true. And so these verses that we've read this afternoon help us to bring a definitive focus on how we need to develop, cultivate, and sustain a healthy, victorious, and intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, but also the wider body of Christ. We also get to discover how to find fresh hope and joy when we fail. 
I'm very clear with that word, when we fail, because it happens, and Paul clearly highlights that to us. Paul bears his entire heart here, and we gain a very rich, a very detailed perspective of exactly what is going on in his heart and how he feels about the people that he's writing to. Where does that depth come from? It's the first question, really, that we need to consider. Where do these strong, intimate, loving relationships that Paul is eloquently describing to us here come from? Have they been living together for years? Nope. Do they all possess the same theology? Nope. Have they spent lots and lots of time together? Nope. There is actually very little evidence that can substantiate where these relationships that Paul is referencing develop from. But the answer is found in verse 5. We see it so clearly. He has fostered, he has enhanced and maintained those relationships through substantial exposure and experience together because of your sharing in the gospel from the first day until now. That's what Paul says. That, for me, friends, screams consistency. That should be the goal of KTLCC. That should be the goal of every single church member in this house, in every single church up and down this country, across the world. A deep conviction in our hearts and in our lives to develop faithful, robust, loving relationships amongst our members, amongst each other. Now, the deep sadness is that many ministries simply don't possess this. But praise God, that is not our portion here at KT. Can I get an amen in the house? Amen. Now, the question should be, why do so many ministries fail to achieve this pretty obvious, pretty basic Christian milestone? Well, the simple answer is people are people. People fall short. People fall out. People disagree. People harbor unforgiveness, guilt, jealousy, envy. Perhaps they gossip they tail bear, they character assassinate. Every, every t- time you meet a Christian that is happy and doing well in their life and ministry, you have to ask yourself the question, what are they developing? I tell you what they're developing. They're developing genuine, authentic community. They're developing authentic, Christ-centered relationships, not those friendships where I'm really happy, you're doing really well in your ministry, as long as you don't do better than me. No, 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 no. They celebrate and they champion what God is doing in you because God is glorified by what is happening in you. And so the heart, the position that we need to place ourselves in this afternoon is to cultivate the relationships that Paul is clearly referencing here. Not the easy come, easy go, fair weather friend. If you do something for me and I'll do something for you. If you're kind to me, I'm kind to you. And depending on where our position is and the responsibilities that we have in the body of Christ. No, 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 no. Paul is making it very clear. We are partakers of the same mission, which we will get to in a moment. We need to align, to come together as one, with one vision, one focus, and that's to preach and reach the lost with the gospel of Jesus Christ in every single part of our lives. And here's the thing. It's completely achievable. Paul makes it very clear. This is achievable in every single part of our lives. And yet the reality is, time and again, we see so often, up and down in different ministries, that everything that Paul is demonstrating here and highlighting to us isn't demonstrated. They're not replicated by ministries today. There are lots of reasons why, and I've shared some of them with you. And yet, I doubt I could find a pastor in London alone 
that wouldn't stand on this platform and agree that what Paul has to say here is completely achievable, completely possible, but things and challenges get in the way. So what do we need to shift in our thinking and change in order to make progress in this area? Well, I want to suggest a few things. The quality of our time, the experiences, the interactions that we enjoy with one another is crucial to a successful outcome. Yes, quantity plays a role, but it is a distant second. Ask yourselves this, do you choose to see the best in every single person that you encounter? And before you go, yes, 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 definitely, 100%, take a moment. Do we? If we're really, really honest, to the level that Paul is here, sadly the answer is no. We don't. And we lie and fool ourselves if we think that the answer is yes. Because we can find ourselves acknowledging somebody's greatest weakness, their current challenge, their previous problems, and we can find ourselves trapped in a rut of only entertaining somebody's weaknesses. Can I make a radical request? We need to discover or rediscover what Paul is demonstrating here this afternoon. Amen? We need to come alive to what Paul is showing us here, that these healthy Christ-centered relationships are achievable, but they have to be built from intentionality. They have to be built from a place of genuine love and care for one another, not looking at the greatest weakness, the greatest mindset, the greatest generational curse, the greatest addiction that any one person in this room may or may not possess. We choose to see Christ in them, the hope of glory. We choose to see that they are the first and not the last. They're the head, they're not the tail. They are a son, they are a daughter of the Most High God. Amen? That has to become our portion, which means we must live missionally minded and be enthusiastic about engaging in outreach in the church, but also with one another. We cannot permission ourselves to host holy huddles in the corner of the church building and think that we're doing church, think that we are enjoying genuine Christian fellowship. That's not what Paul is showing us here. We must remove the limitations, the destructive deception that can subconsciously subscribe to our own thinking that we don't need to reach out. You do. Believe me, you do. And the more that we do that, the more you will cultivate those friendships that Paul is encouraging us. Paul was able to achieve this for one reason and one reason only. They were partners in the ministry together. In other words, they were showing the love of Christ to one another. They were preaching the gospel. They were sharing God's heart, sharing. The Greek word for that is konoia, which is usually or better translated fellowship. Now, our times of fellowship reach far beyond the borders and the boundaries of our own minds, the four walls of this church. The Word of God informs us that fellowship is about being Christ-centered, kingdom-focused, partners in mission, which provokes another question for us this afternoon. Who are you in partnership with in the mission that we are on? We must recognize that it is about championing and challenging one another to do the work that God has called us to do. We can't avoid it. We certainly can't ignore it. And I guarantee you this, whether you've been in this house five years, 50 years, whether you're black, white, male, female, whether you're a leader or a member, I guarantee you this, the strongest, the healthiest, the most loving relationships that you will enjoy in this church will be forged and fostered when you have served 
together with other people. And you can go ahead and write that down. And I guarantee you, if you start to serve in different areas of this house in ministry, you come back to me in one year, I guarantee you the closest relationships that you have in this church outside of your own cell group will be with people that you serve with. Why? Because you're on a common goal. You've got a common forward-centered focus on the heart of God. Maybe you want to serve on the worship team. I'm always auditioning. They never seem to entertain my audition. Can I get an R? R. <laughs> no, they would never take me. I know my place. Praise God. Perhaps it's homeless outreach. Welcome team. There's always people to be welcomed in this house. It goes far beyond a fleeting mutual interest in something, be it technical, be it audio, video, be it worship team, it doesn't matter. And it's not just a, a, a hive of activity for an hour on a Sunday morning. It is rooted and established in a deep conviction that you have to serve one another, but also the wider body of Christ. That is where the bonds of love and sacrifice will be most secure, most sincere, and most safe. Therefore, I am obliged to ask you this afternoon, how active are you in the mission of this house? We've had many uh, strategies. The strategy is always really Matthew 28. We've had make mature and mobilize disciples. Uh, when I first got saved here in this house, it was win, consolidate, disciple, and send. The vision of the house is London and the world for Christ. Can I encourage you, if you consider yourself a member of this house, but for whatever reason, whether you're watching online, whether you're here in the building, you don't feel particularly connected, or even worse, you feel completely disconnected. Can I encourage you, make a hard decision today to explore serving in some capacity. Find an area of the ministry, and there are literally dozens and dozens of ministry. I think pre-COVID, there was at least 12 teams that would serve in any different capacity on a Sunday. Now, you might sit there and say, well, hang on a minute, I'm not very good with cameras, or I don't really know how to speak to people, and I don't really know what I'm doing. I'm not ready. I'm not gifted enough. I'm not perfect. Remember this, we're all under construction. And if you wait for perfection, which you don't get until the day of our reckoning, Jude 1, 24 and 25, you will never start. Amen? God is perhaps wanting to use your imperfection in order to show other people the perfection of who he is. Have you considered that? I encourage you. Maybe God wants to build something in you this afternoon. Maybe he wants to strengthen the foundations that you already possess. Let me affirm you, you have gifts for the body of Christ. Remember, Paul's deep-rooted relationship with those at Philippi emerged out of their partnership in ministry together. Therefore, it becomes accessible and available to us. The question is, are we prepared to come into partnership? However, that is not all that we are called to. Verse 6, Paul now zones in on a verse that we probably all know by heart here today. You probably know it in multiple different versions. And I am sure of this. Some versions say, I am certain. ESV says, I am sure of this, that he who begun a good work in you will bring it to completion, guaranteed, at the day of Jesus Christ. Now, Paul is clear here. He's got confidence, certainty, surety that the Philippians will keep on growing in their Christian life, that God is at work in them. God will bring it to completion. God plus nothing and no one. 
only the Lord. This should reinforce and strengthen our own hope in God today. There is no measure of uncertainty, no modicum of doubt, no fleeting worry, no distinct portion of lack attached to Paul's assertion. This is a man speaking so eloquently and personally to us this afternoon. But maybe we've got challenges. Maybe we've got some habits, some mindsets. Perhaps you're a little combative this afternoon. You're unable to take correction. You find yourself easily offended. You're always defensive when someone challenges a part of your character. Perhaps you are negative in the way you think of yourself or of others, and therefore you don't think that that breakthrough can happen. But know this, God can change lives, any life. God can change your life. And as Paul notes, real change is possible because it is God's work, not ours. Thank God that it is God's work and not ours, because we'd never make it if it was down to us. We can never lose sight of that. Paul also not only understands, but he informs and advises us that more often than not, I'm afraid, it's a process. It's something we need to learn. We need to learn to trust the process and not become frustrated at our apparent lack of progress in some areas and maybe flourishing in others. The work of God always begins in us with grace, not with anything that we have done in and of ourselves. And so the question also for our reflections this afternoon is, are we willing to embark on the journey? Because the world we live in today, it's like, bang, I get radically saved. I'm bang, automatically filled with the Spirit. Bang, I should know the Word of God immediately. Like, it doesn't happen like that. It's a process of sanctification, edification, growth. It takes time. My goodness, there are one or two people in this building that knew me when I first got saved. I'm not the man that I was then now, praise God. And there's still work to be done, I can assure you. I am very much still under constructions. All right, thank you. I don't need the amens over there. Thank you. Thank you. Settle down. Thank you. (laughs) But that's the reality, friends, that we need to go on that journey. We need to provide and position ourselves in a way that we can go on that journey, recognizing that God alone will complete the work. The question is, are we going to make excuses or are we going to experience that completion? Because we can't have both. And yet Paul uses a significant word in verse 8, depending on your translation. He yearns. Some translations, he greatly longs for you with all affection in Christ. To yearn for something is to have a strong desire, a longing for, an earnest pursuit. Is that our portion? Do we think like that as believers? For God is my witness. Wow. (laughs) So he's making himself very clear here. How greatly I yearn for you with the affection of Jesus Christ. And so as we step forward into verses 9 to 11, Paul gives us a bit of a framework here on how we can gauge our own Christian maturity and depth. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and be pure and blameless on the day of Jesus Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory of God. Take a minute. Just imagine that. This is Paul's prayer that love may overflow in your life. And yet so often as Christians, because we've read those verses a hundred times, they just wash over us and they almost mean nothing. 
Overflow. I love the word overflow. It's the heart of the Father. Reflected here. Now this is a love, by the way, that Paul is referencing that's not feeble, it's not flimsy, it's not a feeling. This is agape love. A love that is rich, intentional, relentless, that the Father perpetually exhibits in every part of our life. A love that seeks to elevate the aspirations, the needs, the desires of the person next to us, greater than anything that we have possessed in our own hearts and in our own lives. It com communicates complete commitment to us. This love is the clearest indicator of our Christian maturity and growth. So that's a, 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 a little bit of a milestone, a little bit of a litmus test if you're trying to gauge your own Christian maturity and walk today, is how much love do you genuinely and authentically display for other people. Because, you know, it's very easy to be misled. Amen? We have to courageously face the truth of what is actually in our hearts. We can play the game of saying that there is X in my heart when there's actually Y, but you will never make any progress in your Christian journey. Any futile attempt to simply believe what we want is wrong. We cannot dismiss the truth when it is painstakingly obvious. We must rise up with fresh humility and intentionally choose to see things how they truly are, not force the truth to fit our self-imposed framework or our own thinking and rationale. This requires us to be desperately honest and vulnerable, qualities that are rarely demonstrated by believers today because we've been hurt, because we don't demonstrate those strong relationships that Paul is talking about. Now, why do you say, why do you say this, you might be asking me? Well, I've learned that ultimately the ongoing work that God needs to do in you and through you is of far greater significance and consequence than the work that you think God needs to do in you and through you. Life informs us today that we want the full article before we commit to something or someone. We have abjectly failed to demonstrate patience in our lives. We don't want to journey with something or someone anymore. We want the full article. We want them completely resolved. You know, if, you, if, you, if you're single here, you're thinking about being in a relationship, guaranteed you want the person. They've got to have a job. They've got to have a home. They've got to have, you know, the parents have still got to be married. They can't have any other children. They've got to be earning a certain amount of money. They've got to be a certain level of maturity in the Christian walk. Like, we've got all these things we're not prepared to actually maybe go on that journey with that person to help them get to that place where they are complete in Christ. Why? Because we need to recognize that we are all walks, works in progress, hence the title of the message, Under Construction. How much renovation are you allowing God to do in your heart and in your life today? You know, if you think about your home, if it's ever been renovated, builders never make an excuse for the dust. God is never going to make an excuse for the work that he's doing in your heart and in your life. God knows that we will fail and fail, and yet we will fail and fall forward. Why? Because God is in control and he will complete the work that he has started in us. So the question is, are we prepared to genuinely follow God the way that Paul did? Now, before you answer, consider the following. If your answer is unequivocally yes, then every plan, every strategy, every goal that you have for your life, write it in pencil, please. Hmm? Because you are wholly obedient to however and wherever 
he leads you, meaning the likelihood is that your plans are going to be superseded by his. Now, let me advance our thoughts here for a moment. No, let me be blunt. You can sit here binding and loosing the enemy. You can throw and slap the holy oil that you buy from Israel around your entire home. You can name it and claim it. Amen? You can decree it. Yeah? We can do all these things from now until Easter. You can hold half nights of prayer from now until Christmas. I'm not bothered, perfectly honest. I guarantee you one thing, unless you demonstrate a detailed, devoted, and deliberate discipline to every facet of your life, you will never live in true lasting victory. You need to demonstrate discipline. Proverbs 9 verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. A moment for us this afternoon to collectively consider and conclude on. When we say we fear the Lord, what we are really saying is that we respect and we honor Him, which is great. And therefore, as you grapple with some of the things that we've explored today, ask yourselves this. As you embark on deciding what is wise amongst the many options and opportunities presented to you, are you genuinely revealing the honor and the respect for God? I am utterly persuaded, whatever those opportunities and options are, they will be the ones that cost you the most, will always be the ones that produce the greatest harvest of righteousness in you as you honor and respect the Lord. Why? Because long-lasting loyalty, discretion, vulnerability, those relationships, those qualities that we look for in those relationships form the backbone of this. Vulnerability by any person, by the way, towards you at any moment demands protection, not exposure. So therefore, we've ultimately come full circle this afternoon, and we need to remind ourselves of what Paul says in his opening prayer. He tells us that the secret of those deep, caring relationships in the church is ultimately found in three words, partnership in service. He reminds us that God can, can ultimately change us, and he shows us that the signs of authentic Christian maturity is in genuine, self-sacrificing love. Make that your goal this week, because you're under construction just like me, but you were also born for this. And I know that whilst we're under construction, a little bit more of Christ has hopefully been built in and through each and every one of us today as a result of this message.